morning. All right, that's, that's what I like. Uh, I, I shared it last service. We had this philosophy in student ministry that between caffeine and the Holy Spirit, good things happen. Um, so hopefully you had the caffeine, and hopefully you can uh, feel the Holy Spirit here this morning. So my name is Patrick. I'm the youth pastor here at Westtown Church, and just thank you so much uh, for being here today and, and allowing us to uh, honor you, if you will, by, by serving you this morning with our, our awesome worship team and, and our students all throughout the building. Hopefully you uh, saw them as you came in holding signs. Hopefully you didn't hit any of them, because that would be bad. Like, I don't think our waivers cover that stuff, but I'll have to check. Um, but man, we're just excited to be able to do this. This is our kind of one time a year that we get to just uh, just sort of display what God's doing through our student ministry. And um, just last week, I got to spend a few days up in Atlanta, Georgia at the Georgia Dome at a, a conference called Passion Conference. And uh, it's for young adults, uh, which I am not, so just before anyone else decided to point that out. Um, but we took our young adults, our college group there, and uh, it was us and 50,000 of our closest friends um, as you can, we got a couple of pictures there, um, all at the Georgia Dome, all in the name of Jesus. And I learned a couple cool things about this conference. Um, one, in the last 10 years, now keep in mind, this is young adults, 18 to 25. These are our poor, top ramen eating college students, right? Um, over the last 10 years, this conference of young adults, 18 to 25, has raised over $17 million just from these students for various uh, ministries, various international ministries, various uh, organizations. And I think so many times um, we as adults, right, we can look at uh, this generation, right, the millennials that uh, we have sort of branded them, the millennial generation. We can even uh, look at our high school generation here who just did a beautiful job in leading us in worship, or even uh, our middle school students who they're just kind of crazy and all over the place here this morning serving you. But uh, we can look at these students and these young people, and, and we make a mistake, right? Um, it's, it's from a place of love. Um, it's from with a joyful heart, unfortunately, that we, we make this mistake, but we look at them, and, and we get excited because we're like, oh, man, there's the, the future of the church, right? And it's exciting. We're like, oh, the future of the church is great. Look at these kids. Um, but it's, it's a mistake, right? And, and the reason I say that is because they're not the future of the church. They are the church. Like, they want... Trisha, thank you. Y'all get used to it if you don't know me yet. Um, they're not the future of the church. They are the church. The same Holy Spirit that lives in you lives inside each one of these young people. The same uh, Holy Spirit that lived inside John, who we're going to read from and learn from today, lives inside these young people. So uh, please keep them in your prayers. Keep us in your prayers. Like, it is a battle out there, right? We are, <laughs> our battlefield is the school, is the home, or these, these streets of West Chase. And um, and they need your prayers. We need your prayers. God's done so many amazing things through this uh, ministry and through our leadership team. And uh, we're just excited to, to make much of Jesus here in 2017. Amen? All right. Let me pray real quick. And then uh, I'm going to put these back in my pocket for later. And then uh, we're going to take a look at the uh, book of John today, see what, see what John has for us. Uh, King Jesus, we're just thankful again to, uh, to be in your presence. And we know we didn't I don't have to ask you to, to meet us here, that you were here waiting for us this morning, that uh, you knew who would be in this building today, and you knew uh, their names and what seat they would sit in, and, and you knew it all, and you're just here to receive us with open arms, Father. And we want to receive you that way this morning, and man, it's so easy with all the, the chaos and, and distractions outside of these walls, and uh, Monday is tomorrow, and, and just that feeling and that weight that we have of, of things to do, and Father, we just ask that 
during this time that you would block those out for us, that you would block out our distractions, that you would uh, block out the to-dos that we have in this upcoming week and just uh, let us lean into you and just soften our hearts and, and open our eyes and our ears to, to your word today because we believe nobody's here by accident, uh, that everyone is here and that you have a purpose, not just a plan, but a purpose for all of us in this building today, Father. So we are excited to be here uh, with each other in the house of God this Sunday. So we just want to give this time back to you because it's all about you, Father. And all God's people said, amen. So we're in the book of John, chapter 5. If you have your uh, Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, I love this story in Scripture. It's one of my uh, favorites. So when uh, my turn came up today and uh, and this was the text I got to use, I was pretty excited. So pick up with me, if you would, in John, chapter 5. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So picture this, right? We have this sort of setting here. We'll kind of break down what this looks like. So we have Jesus in Jerusalem, right? Uh, Jesus went there intentionally. Jesus does not do anything uh, by accident. He doesn't hit snooze on his alarm clock like probably most of the service did today because it was cold out and you're like, nope, rolling back over. Anybody? Yeah, you're lying if you're not putting your hand up. Um, That's okay. But Jesus is in Jerusalem, He was there intentionally. He went to this specific pool on this specific day at this specific time for a very specific reason uh, that we're going to see here. And it's just important to note that, like, Jesus doesn't do things on accident, right? There's intent behind everything Jesus says. There's an intent behind everything that Jesus does. And there's intent behind everything that Jesus is. So we have Jesus in Jerusalem at this pool. Uh, The second thing I want to point out, and I hope some of you might have picked up on it, but there is no verse 4. One, two, three, five, six. You can look in your Bibles. I'm not making that up. It's there. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time as to why it is and why it isn't there. Uh, Find Frank, okay? Like after this service, seriously, after this service, go get some donuts, get a cup of coffee, and Frank, verse 4, what's up? Like, and he would love, love to just peel the onion back on that and just have hour-long conversations about that. So do that and tell him I sent you. But verse 4 is not in here. Uh, If you have a King James Version, it's in yours. Um, There's a few different reasons. Again, not going to spend a whole lot of time. Uh, One of those reasons is that uh, since the King James was translated, there's been other manuscripts and scrolls that have been uh, discovered. And, And keep in mind, too, like, when John wrote the inspired Word of God, which you're reading today, God didn't say, hey, put a period here, and let's, uh, let's start chapter 5. This looks good. good. Good stopping point, right? That was put in by man, right? That was put in about a thousand years later during the Reformation. So uh, when they're translating the Bible for the masses, they said, hey, how can we make this more simplified for people to follow along? And that's when chapters and verses were, were added to Scripture. So that's all I'm saying on that. Find Frank, this tall, good-looking haircut about like this. Go talk to him, right? The third thing we have going on here, so we have Jesus in Jerusalem, verse 4, not there. We have this word multitude. Everybody say multitude. Good night, people. Everybody say multitude. multitude. All right. Remember, I'm youth, right? I, I'm youth. So y'all like give me head nods and, you know, thumbs up, throw stuff. It's cool. I can dodge. Um, 
We have a multitude of people. Um, this word multitude comes from the Greek of oklos. It means a crowd or a mob. Um, so there's, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of sick, of paralyzed, of blind people here at this pool, probably caregivers as well, people uh, there to provide care for these uh, people that are there. So just kind of get that thought in your mind, right? Whether you, you're like a dude that closes your eyes to think about stuff, that's cool, we won't make fun. Um, but think of that in your mind of just Jesus comes into this pool, there's thousands of sick, thousands of paralyzed, thousands of blind, their caregivers, just everywhere that he is. And I love what we see what Jesus does here. He seeks out one man, one person. There's thousands in this room, and Jesus seeks out the one. And as we see in verse 6, Jesus walks up to him and asks him a question. Do you want to be healed? Why was Jesus there at the pool? Right? Why did Jesus go to the well? Why did he go to Cana? Why did he go to the Sea of Galilee? Why did he go to see Lazarus? Why did he eventually go to the cross? Because he knows. Right? This verse tells us that Jesus walked in. There's thousands of sick, hurting people that are in pain, that are suffering. And Jesus knew. And he sought out this one particular man. He knew his pain. He knew what he was going through. He knew how long he had been there. Jesus knew. He didn't just show up at the well that day thinking, hey, it'd be cool if someone showed up to talk to me. That'd be neat. No, he knew the woman would be there, and the woman had relationship struggles. Jesus knew that when he went to Cana that the official son was sick, and that family was in pain, and they needed healing. He knew that the disciples were scared on the Sea of Galilee, so he walked on water towards them, and he knew that Mary was in pain because of the death of her brother. He also knew that in order for us to seek and to receive the free gift of grace and salvation, that he had to die eventually on the cross for you and for me. So Jesus knows. And I wonder, like, in a room this big, right, there's a lot of people here, which, great, that doesn't make me nervous. A lot of people here in a room this big, right, in in an oclos of this many people, right, in a crowd and a mob of, of this many people. I wonder what type of pain is in this room. Right? Is there relational pain? Maybe there's healing that you're still seeking from a broken relationship. Uh, the sickness, the illness that you're fighting or that your family member is fighting. The disease maybe that you're dealing with or your family is dealing with. Maybe it's professional pain that you're dealing with right now because you're unemployed or underemployed or not appreciated or whatever that looks like. There's pain in this room. And Jesus knows. We have a God, we have a Savior that knows our pain. And I wonder how many of us want to hear that question this morning that he asked this one particular man, this one man that he knew had been that way for 38 years, this one man that he knew the type of pain that he was in and he sought him out. I wonder how many of us in here this morning want to hear that question from Jesus of do you want to be healed? I know I do. I know I've got pain. I know I've got scars. I know I've got mistakes that come up from my past at random moments and random places that just sort of snare me and trap me. And I want to hear that question of, do you want to be healed? But check this out. Look what this dude does. I say dude. It's weird. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed, and he walked. And I look at this guy. 
And I, you know, I love the story of Scripture. It's one of our values here at Westtown is the story of Scripture. And, and it's how we learn things. It's how we remember things. It's how we sometimes get ourselves in trouble because we create false stories in our head of things that maybe didn't happen, but we anticipate the worst. Jesus taught in parables and stories because that's how our minds, that's how we receive information. And I love this story here. And I find myself being this dude. Right? Being this guy who's been hurt, who's been in pain, who's been suffering for 38 years, who has a God who knows that pain, a Jesus who knows his suffering, who knows what he's going through. And Jesus walks up and is like, simple question, do you want to be healed? And I feel, I find myself in this story, and I'm sure you do too. What is his response? Excuses. Jesus asked him a question, do you want to be healed? If I'd been in pain for 38 years, I don't care who it was. A guy at Dunkin' Donuts could be like, dude, you want to be healed? I'm like, glaze me, right? What does that look like? You get that glazed donut? Someone, high schoolers got it. Good. Just making sure you're awake and tracking. How many of us do that in our own lives to where we look at Jesus, and maybe you do turn to the cross, and we look to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? And we're like, you know, I do, but my schedule's really busy. I got a lot going on. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, man, I really do, but I'm so behind on emails. Do you want to be healed? I do, but man, I've got practice on Monday. There's a game on Tuesday. There's cheer on Wednesday. There's a... We look at all these things in our lives, and we just want to put these excuses when Jesus, who knows your pain, he knows what you're suffering with, he knows what you're going through, whether relationally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, he knows. And he's calling out to you, do you want to be healed? And it's so much easier to say, man, that sounds good, but tomorrow's Monday. Look at, look at my calendar. You know, it's one thing I, I've come to learn because that's an excuse I like to use as well. But uh, my, my schedule is not the master of me. I am the master of my schedule. My children, your children are not the master of you. You are the master of them. My wife is... Never mind. We'll move on to the next one. My wife is awesome. We'll just leave it there and is the master of all. Your phone, your emails are not the master of you. You are the master of them. So if God is calling to you because you have a God who knows you, who knows your pain, who knows what you're going through, who knows the joy in your heart, who knows the suffering in your heart, and he's coming to you saying, I know, I know, I know. Do you want to be healed? What is our response? I love how Jesus responds to this dude kind of so much like I, I do with my children because anyone in here who has kids, uh, I, I like to say it this way. I know my kids hear me. They just don't listen. Two different things, right? Hearing and listening, completely different. One's receiving, the other's transferring that into action. So this man is hearing what Jesus is saying, but he's just not listening. Jesus is saying to him, do you want to be healed? And he's giving excuses. And what does Jesus do? I love it. Pick up there, and he just throws it aside. Jesus says, no, 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 get up. No more excuses, get up. Get up, not only get up, but pick up your bed and walk. Not just get up, but take your baggage with you and let's go. Not just get up, but your past is always going to be there, but you can walk right through it because you have a God who knows and you have a God who feels. Jesus feels your pain. He feels your struggles. He feels your joys and your successes. He felt the pain that this man was going through. He knew the pain he had. He felt compassion for this man, so much so. He loved this man so much that it was like no excuses. I don't wonder what, what people in your life 
do you love so much that you're like, you know what, no more, no excuses, it's time to get up. Because we like to do that excuse thing too of, uh, man, I just can't do it. I want to, I just don't have the time. I, there's no one here to help me. People keep bringing me down. We hear this guy, he's like, hey, I keep trying to go into the pool, but guys are cannonballing before me. People bringing him down. And she's like, oh man, you have me, you have Jesus. And he says, I know your pain. I knew you were lying there. I had all the, I had thousands, I had multitude of people in here, and I sought you because I know the pain you have. And he has compassion. He had compassion for this man. And I just think, where in our lives, where in your life, where in mine is Jesus saying, you know what? Enough. Pick up your bed and walk. Get up, pick up your bed, and walk. John Piper's got this amazing quote. He says, Jesus is easily moved by the misery you feel, but his therapies are not always what we want. Think about that. Think about any uh, type of sickness or injury, illness. There are therapies for that that Jesus might be calling you to, but it's not what you want. That is a hard prayer to pray. That is a hard prayer to say, Jesus, I want to be healed, or Jesus, heal my mother, or Jesus, heal my sister, or Jesus, heal this relationship. But we forget there's a second piece to that prayer that goes, but your will be done. Because it's not my will, it's not your will, it's the will of the Father. Because his way is better than yours. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't say in here like, hey, follow Jesus and, dude, gravy train. No, it says the exact opposite. Sometimes in our life, our sickness that we have, maybe God's calling us a particular treatment and we know it's going to be painful. We're like, no, that's not the therapy I want. Maybe you have professional pain in your life and God's calling you to reinvent yourself professionally, but it might take time. You might have to take a step back to take a step forward, but you don't want to do that because it's not what you want. It's maybe where God's calling you to. So I'm going to share a quick story. Be ready. Um, a lot of you people, uh, a lot of you folks know this story. Uh, a lot of you have prayed uh, with my family and I for this story. Uh, a little over a year and a half ago, my nephew, uh, our nephew Nick Brown, uh, stud football player, uh, varsity running back and linebacker, uh, played 97 consecutive plays of a high school football game. 97 consecutive. Anyone who's ever played football, you know that's just ridiculous. Uh, <clears throat> he suffered a traumatic brain injury at the end of the game. Spent 31 days in a coma. Um, there's a happy ending. You just got to get there. Um, 31 days in a coma, not medically induced. Uh, he had about four strokes uh, during the process. Um, multiple, multiple, multiple open brain surgeries. Nick had to learn to walk again. He had to learn to talk again. Uh, things that uh, we see our, our 15-year-olds doing and taking for granted, like eating cereal. He didn't know how to do. He didn't have the coordination uh, to do it. And we had to pray. And so many of you prayed with us, and I thank you for it, and came alongside us. But we had to lift these prayers to God. I don't even want to call them prayers. They're almost demands. You ever get that way where you're like, God, I don't even think this is a prayer. I'm almost demanding this from you. And man, that is a tough place to live in, to, to pray for healing when we knew that there was a chance he wouldn't make it, to pray for healing, but then having the second part of that prayer that says, but your will be done. That is tough. Because I don't want, want God's will, because God's will could have been, you know what healing is? Healing is going home to heaven. All right, that's when we're healed. You're never fully healed here on earth. You're never fully healed because there's still pain, there's still crying, there's still mourning, there's still sickness, there's still disease. It's not until the Father calls you home that you are fully healed. And we had to say that prayer and be prepared for that response. 
Because that's healing. That's healing in ways that we can never fathom, we can never even picture or even, even just put into grass in our hands of what it's like to be healed and be home with the Father. So to have to sit there, hold hands as a family, crying like, please heal our nephew, but your will be done. I don't want God's will. I want, I want his mercy. I want his grace. I want that just to be lavished over me. But when it comes to pain and suffering, man, most of the times I want my will. Because I think my will is the right way. And God's saying, no, his will is the only way. I am happy to say that uh, we even just got a video yesterday of our, our nephew, Nick, uh, playing a game of pickup basketball. So that's cool. Um, he's going to graduate on time. Uh, he was able to go back to school. Uh, it's been a painful road, a painful process. Um, some of God's therapies in that is Nick's not, you know, he's not the kid he was before, right? He's, he's not going to play football again. Uh, he's not going to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball again like he was. Um, but, man, his heart's pure, He's the same, same Nick that we knew internally. And by the miracle of Christ, and by the power of prayer, and by being ready to submit to God's will, God healed him. And we're so thankful for that, for all of you that uh, joined us in prayer um, for that. So the story kind of goes on here. We've got a God who knows, right? He knows your pain. We have a God who feels your pain. He has compassion for you, for where you are. He wants to meet you right where you are. And I'm going to skip to verse 14, so you can skip it on there. But it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, So you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. I love, 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 love the God that we serve. Because not only does he know the pain that you're in, not only does he feel the suffering or the heartache or the, the joy that is in your heart, but we have a God that pursues. God didn't just have, he had no intention of healing this man and just leaving him. He had no intention of saying, you know what, get up, take your bed, and go walk, and I'm out. No, the guy didn't have to go find Jesus. Jesus found him. Jesus went and found this man. Where did he find him? At the temple, that church. Jesus knows, Jesus feels, and he pursues. He pursues you, he pursues me. It is a constant pursuit. It is not a one and done. We don't have a one and done redeemer. Do you understand that? People say amen. So I know you're not sleeping on me. If you are, it's cool. We'll get you coffee later. But not our Jesus. He had no intention of knowing the pain this guy was in, of feeling compassion for him for where he is, of healing him and just leaving him. And I know so many times in our lives we cry out to God. I know, I hope I'm not alone, but I have cried out to God, where are you? Because there are so many times where I feel like he's just left me. And he's not. He's actually across the finish line saying, come on. I've been here the whole time. We have a God who knows, we have a God who feels, and we have a God who pursues. And he says to this man, see you are well, go and sin no more. And we look at that and we're like, wait, we're supposed to stop sinning? No, we know that Jesus is the only perfection. He's the only perfect one. We are sinners. That is just, unfortunately, in our DNA, this is not a go and sin no more. This is a get up and fight. This is you have to fight for your sin. This is you have to fight for what you know and what you love and what you hold to be true. And the truth is that we have a God who knows us. The truth is we have a God who feels for us and has compassion for us. And we have a God who pursues us regardless 
Regardless, it's not, oh, God's going to pursue you because you did your devotionals this week and you prayed and you were a good little Christian and you checked all the boxes. No, God is pursuing in you. He's in constant pursuit of you and for me. And it's just a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's just a beautiful picture of our relationship with Jesus that there's thousands laying there and Jesus could have picked anyone and he plucked this man. Your life is the same way with Jesus. At some point in your life, or maybe that's today, I hope so. If it hasn't happened, let it be today that Jesus has kind of came along and he just plucked you out of obscurity. You alone. Not the person next to you, not picked you because you had good parents, not picked you because you're a good parent, but picked you because you are a child of God. And he plucked you out just like he did this man because he knows who you are. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows the joys of your heart. He knows the desires of your heart. And he knows you and has compassion for all of those things. So much so that he pursues you each and every day. And he pursued you that one day and he plucked you out of that obscurity just like he did this one man. And he didn't stick around to get the glory. There's a crowd, there's a multitude of people there that would have just proclaimed his name. What better way, Jesus, than to perform a miracle of healing and have thousands of people run to you but not our God. Our God's like, no, no, no. You're not coming to me by vision. You're coming to me by faith. By faith and by faith alone. So many times in our lives, we want God to show up. Show me a sign. Show me a miracle. If the miracle of your own transformation and your own salvation isn't miracle enough, there is no miracle big enough. Because that's a big enough miracle to take you from sinner to saved in one fell swoop, in one fell moment of just giving your life and your faith and putting it and trusting it in Christ. So I just ask, guys, be awakened this morning by what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. Be awakened by the fact that you have a God who pursues you each and every day because he feels and has compassion for who you are because he knows everything that you desire, both good and bad. There's no hiding it from him. There's no surprising him. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and Jesus is going to wake up and be like, what'd you do? Like, he knows you. He desires a relationship with you. He desires to be in constant love and affection and in a relationship with you. And I just pray that that awakens you this morning, that if it's not something you have, that you would receive that gift of grace that God so just willingly gives to each of us. I'm going to pray and just ask that God continue to work in your life and in mine. Lord Jesus, we're just, again, humbled constantly by who you are and what you constantly do for us. Uh, a people that don't deserve it, a group that doesn't deserve it, Father, we, uh, we deserve death, but you didn't come to bring death. You didn't come to take us from bad people to good people. Father, you came to bring us from death to life. And not just life, any old life, Father. You want us to have life and have it abundantly. Father, you know us, each and every one of us in here. It says you know us while we were being formed. Father, we just thank you for your presence here this morning, Father, and we just ask that those who don't know your face, that you would just show up to their lives, that you would just show up and and just make yourself known, and Father, that we would just be brave to just shout it from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Father, we thank you for all the work that you've done and all the work you're going to continue to do and the lives of these people and in this church and in this community, Father, uh, because the work is not done, it has only just begun. So Father, we want to give this time back to you. Amen.